1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The 77 Club, the Wolves podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. Hello. Uh, Yeah, the Wolves 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, The Wolves 77 Club on there too. Dan Bayliss is here. Hello, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Hello, everybody. You'll have to forgive any uh, slight delays we get. I'm still on 4G, rocking the 4G in the uh, new bungalow. So really, I'm acting like a grandma through uh, this post-Easter period. Um, Harry, we're going to start with West Ham at home. Uh, The big question is, can Wolves defend? To which the answer was no. Oh, my God. It was uh, just a bizarre, wasn't it, the first half? We're 3-0 down within a flash. And it's almost comical watching Lingard just run through. Nobody tackling him, and then it happened again. Where he skinned Samedo down the down the uh, right hand side or the left hand side from their point of view, and it was just embarrassing. Really, I've seen a lot of people saying that why why were we so soft? Why did we just hack them down? Like I agree, and even Nuno brought it up, saying that sometimes you have just got to hack them down. But it shows that Cody and Sace, to be fair, are just not good enough in defence. They're very weak and they're not good defenders. As simple as that. Got a crossover live to our wing-back correspondent, Hamby, who was mentioned there, wasn't he, Semedo? I mean, the one thing to say to begin with is that we hope Johnny is going to recover yet again from another horrific injury, and it's losing not only a wing-back when you've got a small squad, but it's by far your best defender. Um, But Semedo started in that right wing-back berth 
Bayliss, so it was sort of right back, wasn't it, of a back four. What do you think of his performance? He's got the defensive qualities of an unvaccinated 95-year-old with asthma against COVID. And it's not just him. I'm not going to point him out this week because it was a shower. It was an absolute shower all the way around. So it's not just his fault. The, the lot of them were crap. It, I mean, it was like watching the dog and duck on a Sunday down the bogs or something. It was absolutely disgraceful. That image of six of them chasing Lingard. Oh, funny. Just, it's, <laughs> like Maradona. You have to laugh or else you cry because I, I just cannot, I, I don't know how we can go to pot so badly with four at the back. Jack, I think you posted a picture to the group of Roger Johnson and I, I think it's probably a fair <laughs> assessment. The first thing that came to mind was that they've all spent the Easter attending the Roger Johnson School of Defending, which is back off, back off, back off, back off. Oh, goal. <laughs> Repeat. And... Honestly, it was it was a shambles, wasn't it? And it was embarrassing that it was on Monday Night Football and other people had to watch it because it was it was it was that poor. You think about the first goal, and I, I don't know what what Sace is doing. Well, there's so many opportunities to stop it. I agree. Dendonka could have brought him down, and then and Lingard just runs at Sace, goes past him like he stood still. It it was just shambolic, and it was getting to sort of the stage of being a joke and. And that third one, you're right, their third goal was just, it was like a Benny Hill sketch where he might as well play the music when they're, they're all running back after him. It was just just ridiculous. Granted, Patricio should have uh, probably done a little bit better, um, particularly on the third one. They looked clinical and let's be honest, we were getting absolutely battered that first half and the best thing that happened in the first half, the turning point that even got us back into the game was Antonio yeah. going off. If he'd have stayed on, it'd have been another 4-0. I think I saw Asher on Twitter, Harry, saying playing in A4 is the way forward. The key stat as to why we lost the game is yellow cards and I think he's absolutely right on this because West Ham did it, I think, twice. Should have taken them for goals one and three. West Ham had no issue doing it, even tried to take a dammer out twice for our goal. So is it just not really thinking taking the yellow is the best option here rather than playing some brilliant defensive football. I completely agree with that, but that's just one of the reasons why we're not good enough of a four. It's just so strange. We're, Cody and Sace started off as midfielders and probably a better in midfield. Cody's decent at sweeper, but he can't play in a four at the back. I just want to say one thing, right? I've seen someone say this on Twitter and I completely agree. Our local journalists, the people everyone looks to, Express and Star, The Athletic, they never criticise Cody. They're like scared to offend the club and him, I think. And it's ridiculous because everyone can see when we're playing a back four, he literally can't defend. He's so bad at defending. And I've said for years on this podcast that I think one-on-one -on -one defensively, he's terrible. And I know he's still well to get into the England squad, but he's got no chance of playing in a back four if England go to a back four. And also Sace as well has got to be called out. Even Samedo defensively. Eight Nori was also weak, but he was probably the best defender out the four, which is a saying a lot. And it's shocking. And it was entertaining. I think we had the most shots we've had all season. Um, and honestly, I wasn't bored watching it, but unfortunately, we can't keep going 3-0 down. <laughs> I think you made the point, didn't you, Jack, saying we can't play in a four, but my God, it was so much better to watch, wasn't it? I think it was five shots in tar on target in the end, which, which just tells you how the season's panned out this far. I don't know if it was better to watch. It was entertaining for the neutral. I know that before the game, they were sort of joking about how it was going to be a bore fest and it was anything but... And I know a lot of people like us playing four at the back. They like the fact that Podent started and that it looked like we can create stuff. But if you're going to defend like that, then four at the back isn't the way forward. If we were to play four at the back, we need two new centre-backs. Mm -hmm. 
Because you can probably argue that Bolly can probably pass. And a right back and a left back. <laughs> well, well, yeah, def- definitely one now that Johnny's injured. But um, <laughs> it's, it is, we just haven't got the players to play four at the back. Not in the Premier League at this sort of level. We got ripped apart by just players running at us with pace, which we don't like. And, and not having the, whether it's the defensive ability or the tactical ability to just bring them down or whatever, to actually deal with it. And it was it was an absolute shambles. And if you're like Max Kilman sat on the bench watching that, you must be thinking, you might as well go now. So if you can't get a game and that's what's on show, there's no point you being here. I'm sorry, mate. You might as well just go somewhere where you might actually get a chance rather than two midfielders playing centre-back who can't defend. It doesn't help, does it, Bayliss, with injuries and coronavirus-related issues. Obviously, hopefully, there's nothing wrong with Bolly. I think he's just isolating because he has tested positive. But obviously, losing Johnny, we, we've talked about, is a big blow. But also, Matinho, it just shows that we're not quite ready to move him on. I mean, I've been a big advocate for quite a long time of saying that he needs to play less games, but to a better standard. But I feel we did miss him a little bit. I didn't think we actually played all that badly the problem Wolves have got is that at the back we're crap and up top we're crap and if both of those are bad it doesn't matter what happens in between um, I think Dendonka defensively is a shambles and has been for weeks and the back four were a disgrace the other night so that's where the issues lie at the same time I think Silva took his goal beautifully hopefully that's a sign of things to come um, William Jose I'd just say that you've had your chance pal you can you know sit on the bench and um, go back at the end of the year because he held up a ball well and he had a couple of opportunities but he didn't you know didn't stick anything away and then mm. Silver goes and puts a finish in like that just when we needed it it's a shame that we didn't really push on and get a third we had more chances than West Ham and we had more I think we might have had more shots on target I'm not sure. no one less I think we definitely had more shots and chances but they, they were clinical West Ham weren't they let's be honest Those, uh, there was some great finishing from them I know I seem to be defending William Jose a lot, but let's just hear me out for a, for a second. What are you man? I, I, well, it's not, not that, but he's been unlucky not to score. And if you think about it, I think Wolves are probably the only team who can be 3-0 down. You get back to, get back to 3-2 with 25 minutes left and then don't create another chance. <laughs> mm. Where's the momentum? So true. We should be peppering them then. And what we do is we take off a striker and bring on Vitinha and then don't create anything else. So I don't I don't know why he went off to be honest because granted he wasn't he's not scoring or anything but I think it helped but then again a lot of people saying Vitinha needs a chance but the one thing that summed it up for me of the whole evening is we were pushing to get an equaliser we had a little break we went down the right Semedo went with Neto Semedo got the ball at his feet and had a choice of either getting a cross in or trying to beat his man down the line and get in that way and he passed it back to the centre circle if that's the attitude of a 30 million pound top quality player chasing the game to get it back to three all he can fucking do one for all I care crap rubbish Harry we mentioned Fabio Silva there and his impact and it was great for him to get his goal and actually I saw him compared to Mason Greenwood in terms of minutes per goal and Mason Greenwood is on 692 minutes per goal Fabio Silva 285 and Greenwood's played more minutes than him this season 1297 plays 858 do we see a run in the side for him now I know we're going to talk about Fulham later but he must have staked a claim yeah um, on the William Jose thing just before I talk about Silva 
I'm finally starting to give up on Jose. I disagree with Jack a bit there. He literally, there was the ball got crossed into the box and Neto got in front of him to head the ball. He just don't ever like bust his gut to get into the box for chances. He missed that sitter, which obviously dropped a net and he missed. Silver, fair play to him. He's, I think a little, a little bit of pressure's come off his shoulders since he's been coming off the bench for William Jose. And the way he took that goal, when he when he took the touch, I thought, please put this away, Silver, because he's had so many chances like that that have been fairly simple, although it was quite a tight angle, and he scuffed them, but it was an absolutely perfect finish, and any striker in the world would have been proud of that finish. So mm. let's hope he can carry that on. I think he's earned the right to start next game and maybe a lot of games going forward. So yeah. for me, I've give up on William Jose. I don't think he showed enough. He was tweeting out his old club uh, and things like that. So I don't think we'll see him as a Wolves player next season. And hopefully Silver can step up and do more finishes like that. I, I like that he likes to play off the shoulder as well. Mm. That was a real positive for me. The fact that he beat the offside line, brilliant first touch. That's that's a sign of something to come, isn't it, really? We haven't seen William Jose do it and he's played hundreds of games in La Liga. Um, that's... That's the icing on the cake. That's what. That's the best we could hope for out of Silver this year. It's a shame that. Um, it's a shame that it was such a shit show behind him. We mentioned obviously Vitinha last week, and Harry and Jack actually. I think he sort of highlighted his performances for Portugal in the Twenty Ones, and he, he got his chance the other day. We're probably split between the two of you anyway, as as regards to signing any loan players on full deals, but all of them played a part in this match. Has it changed your mind on whether any of those are going to be signed on permanent deals? Vitin- yeah, like I said, I think I've said before, Vitinha's the only one I consider, and I think I'm going to stick by that. Uh, as just mentioned, William Jose, eight Nori, he did okay. But like uh, Baelish, he was joking, I agree. I think we do need a definitely new left-back now. Johnny's injured for next season. Samedo is yet to be seen, but defensively he's not good enough. Um, it's just yeah maybe Vitinha but it's still a lot of money isn't it for a kid who's not really proved it in the Premier League he does it under 21 levels for Portugal but not for us I just want to mention another thing as well our main man Neto who's been our best player by the way this season I love the I love the passion he showed at full time when he went up to Lingard and called him out for holding the ball in the corner I thought even though he had a crap game to do something like that shows he cares because I'm still worried he won't be a Wolves player next year but to see one of our younger players show character like that and show that he really wanted to get something out of the game I just thought that was quite refreshing to see at full time Yeah I think I agree with that you know he he shows passion he frustrated the oh, hell yeah. out of me with his finishing the other day I mean you know it, the thing that bores me to death are commentators who are clearly watching videos of Ruben Neves from way back in the day early on in his Wolves career when he was dangerous from free kicks and you know oh Ruben Neves is so dangerous from this position and the one where he passed it short to Neto and he tried to do like a whip like the opposite of what mm. Skulls did it for England um, I, I, do, do you have faith that Jack that Neto will be here next season he's clearly enjoying the passion even though it's not quite going his way at the moment no at the moment I don't have faith and I think it's probably not helped by the fact that Jota was sold and has gone on to do really well and I can see it repeating itself and I, I really don't know and I think this is also what's frustrated a lot of people at the moment is people are starting to question what Foson's sort of long-term goals are for the club and what the level of investment's going to be in the future. You can't deny they've invested, but the problem is the last few transfer windows, they haven't necessarily got it right. And I've said it before, but one transfer window can can be the difference between finishing 18th and finishing 8th easily. Mm. Look at a team like Villa. So I don't know. And if someone comes in with a big money offer and you're Neto and 
you're thinking, hang on, this Wolves team, if they carry on this form into next season, it'll be relegation fodder. What would you do? And I just don't know. I really hope it doesn't because it shows a real lack of ambition, but I'm not confident at all. And another name that's been thrown around is Traore. That first mm. goal was probably the best goal of the night. That was a great goal, and that was made by Traore. I think we need to give him credit for that. Um, obviously, he's got his critics, and rightly so, because he has his moments, and he goes in the game and out the game and drifts off. But that was class. He was unplayable in that passage of play to get that ball in the box for that first goal. So we just need to... I don't want to say, we need a bit of luck with injuries and we just need to bring in a few recruits and manage what we've got a bit better. And some of those, it's just, well, okay, if, you, if you're going to play four at the back, we need better <laughs> players. If you're going to defend like a bunch of twats, we're going to lose, you are just letting three goals in the first half. Like, that's that's simple and anyone can see that. That's what happened. I don't want to be overly cliche, but I'm going to be anyway. The next summer passage for Wolves is the most important in the club's modern history because it's the decision of whether the Chinese are going to make Wolves into a top level club Mm -hmm. or a bang average selling club in my opinion if two of those three or more go and we recruit kids again Wolves are a selling club if we retain those three Raul comes back we strengthen the defence then we have the potential to be a seriously decent club and start challenging in trophies we were were it was fine margins against West Ham it was poor defending. That's my doorbell. It's poor defending. It's the exaggeration. Police coming to get you, I think, isn't it? Amazon are here. Um, <clears throat> it was poor defending and not taking our chances. They're two things that you can resolve as a football club and do it, you know, hopefully relatively comfortably. I don't think our overall football is that terrible. But this really is important. I know that it sounds like an exaggeration, but I really don't think it is. Because it's us finishing 15th to 12th for a while and becoming like a palace or even worse or that chance to actually take the step up yeah we overachieved for a couple of years but we really do have the chance to do it and I only think we're a couple of players players away from it do you think there are levels to selling clubs and you, you whenever you say selling club I think I automatically think of Southampton and the relationship they had with Liverpool yeah. where they're and all their best players but most of those transfers are probably funded by Liverpool selling players to likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona so I think on that note You've got levels in terms of what that means for clubs, and arguably, Wolves player, Wolves selling players in the Fosun era has meant that either they go to somebody in a completely different country and a much much worse uh, level of football, or they go to an elite club, and it's only really happened once. And I think it, it's just as Liverpool, isn't it? It's used as the example for everything. I I don't think people would have a problem with even selling Neto. If we were confident the players we bring in would be an improvement. If you look at teams like Leicester, who've done it really well. When you think about some of the players they've lost, but look at where they are now, because they've been wise with their investments. But we just don't know whether we're going to suddenly <laughs> sell Neto for fifty million, spend forty million on Roderick Miranda number two, and then get a kid who's seventeen, who's going to not play for a year and a half. So that's that's the risk. We should just basically be looking at the Portugal first team squad now. I mean, like, the, you know, the, the first team international squad and saying, who here can we actually bring in realistically? Because some of those players have been thriving as well. I know we've said it before, but some mm. of the other Portuguese players who are now in the Premier League, we need to be finding the next one of those, probably like that Neto is going to be. Yeah, well, we always moan about us not looking into England, don't we? I mean, we've been linked with McBurney from bloody Sheffield United, but I'm hoping we look better than someone like him, seriously. But because obviously people are overvalued within the Premier League. Um, 
I agree. We will go for someone abroad and things like that. And this links into a lot of people moaning about um, Jeff Shee not doing an interview since like 2019. And when he did do his last interview, he was always banging on about us that you know, pushing to be like top four within five years, one of the biggest clubs. And I think the way we're doing it right now, I agree, is not right. Because we are by trying to buy bargains and then sell them on. Look at Rafa Mir. We signed him for like one and a half million. He's done well in La Liga lately. So we're probably selling him for like 12 million or something. So it does work for them. But if we want to become what they said we were going to, we've got to sign established players that maybe are within the Premier League and spend a bit of money. So I hope they shake this habit of just trying to find bargains all the time. It's worked. We made money on Jota. You know, we'll probably make money on Neto. Um, but yeah, I hope they do change their philosophy a little bit with that. The biggest problem we've got though, Harry, is we're not owned by an Arab sheikh that can just throw his cash at whatever he wants. We are owned by a business that mm. runs businesses who are going to have, have had a terrible 12 to 18 months. I mean, Foson must be reporting that they are billions down, potentially. They'd, I think that's affected everybody, isn't it? It's a yeah, I know, bar. but it's relative. And they've got to make a decision whether they are going to then go and ch- fork out more cash on Wolves. And I think that's quite a hard one for them to make, isn't it? You know, if you say to your company and your investors, "Oh, I've spent, we've lost two, three, four, five hundred million this year. Oh, I'm just going to go and spend another hundred on uh, some blokes to play football." Yeah, but take Thomas Cook. I mean, that's obviously an investment that Foson have, and and that's an industry that's been decimated, isn't it? The travel industry by coronavirus. But on the flip side of it, football has had every single top-level Premier League game played live for the first time ever and there's never been done that amount of games being covered live so their investment has been opened up to potentially millions more people as something to do because uh, there isn't anything to do during these times where we have to sit at home we can't go on holiday can't go outside can't go to the pub for god's sake but we can watch the football surely that must be worth something for them in terms of the investment and there's financial fair play as well isn't there they've got to deal with financial fair play haven't they so they're not. Yeah. They've never really been. Yeah. Well, apart from the silver thing, where we spent silly money on an eighteen-year-old, in, in everyone's opinion, really, we've never really. Have we really spunked money? Really? Maybe, I think Badis would argue Samedo, but we've always spent well. But I want us to take a few more risks. But on saying that, Samedo yeah, on paper when we yeah. signed him did look like an established great signing, didn't it? And it just hasn't worked. <laughs> so they have done, tried to do it a little bit after yeah. he shipped eight eight goals against Bayern Munich. Maybe, maybe he wasn't in the side for that. I think he was because they sold Tomato that they lost seven two to Bayern Munich. Maybe we're just being harsh because we have spent money when you think about it, but we just spent it badly or just been not think. Yeah, so we just we need a good transfer window. What question though? How many points we got? Thirty five. We on thirty five yeah. points. Thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. What? If, uh, if, yeah, we're on thirty five. Well, are we, are we safe? Well, we have got Fulham next, so what we'll do is we'll move on to the away perspective. So if you're watching on YouTube, that's already out. Harry's released it, so go and watch that if uh, if you want to. Otherwise, if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to hear it right now. So we'll see you back here in a second. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Right, I'm joined by Matt from Fulham Focused. Uh, first of all, Matt, thank you for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks, Harry. Uh, before we get into the game, mate, I just want to ask you... How um, you expected the season to go for Fulham and has it gone as expected? <laughs> um, difficult one to answer, really, because of the, the quick turnaround time after the, the playoff final, given the state of the world at the moment and the, mm. the state of last season. Um, 
we we didn't know if we were going to be promoted or not. Then we were. Then there was just no turnaround time to get players in. So we had to start um, this season with the players that we had from last season, who arguably just about got us up from the championship, yeah. um, but weren't necessarily good enough for for the Premier League, which is exactly the same um, conundrum that we faced when we came up with you two years ago. Mm. Um, and our transfer policy very much relies on loan players. Um, so we, we had the likes of Anthony Knockhart in the championship last season. Um, we signed him in the summer because we must have had to, based on the, the agreement that we had. Yeah. Um, paid £10 million for him and immediately shipped him out on loan to Nottingham Forest. So we obviously didn't want him for the Premier League. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy kind of um, scenario that we find ourselves in. So to answer your question, how did I expect this season to go? I thought we'd struggle. Um, and we started really poorly. We we did. We we were conceding goals, but then we tightened things up. I think there was a gap between the start of the season and the the transfer window or the transfer deadline day. We bought in some defenders on transfer deadline day, mm. and they've been very good. Joachim Anderson, Danish international centre half. We bought in Tashin Adarabayo from Man City as well, and those two have formed a, an outstanding central defensive partnership over the last few months. Uh, but we just struggled to score goals and we haven't helped ourselves by leaving Alexander Mitrovic on the bench for most of the season. Um, so I guess I, I guess I thought we'd struggle this season, but we're still in it at the moment. We're still in with a chance of staying yeah. up. So, um, yeah, that's 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 a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, you mentioned Mitrovic there. He's always give us problems, particularly Connor Cody. Is he the one we should look out for? Is it Luckman? You've got a few decent players in there, I'd say. Are they the two or is there anyone else we should look out for? Well, Adam Ola-Luckman went off injured against Villa on um, on mm. Sunday. So I don't know if he'll be available. Um, he's a bit hot and cold. Um, doesn't always make the right decision, but he's very skillful, very quick um, and a decent player. But yeah, I'd say Mitrovic at the moment, he's in form. Um, he scored five goals for Serbia. Uh, in, in the last international break, five goals in three games, having not scored for them for a while. Plus, he missed the penalty a few months ago that meant that mm. they were they missed out on the Euros in place of Scotland. So, um, so his form was just all over the place. His confidence was shot, and he wasn't getting in in our team, a team that couldn't score goals anyway. You know, we've been crying out for just playing for goodness sake. He knows where the net is, but so he, he started on um, on Sunday and he scored against Villa. Um, and we're going to have to rely on him to get us out of this mess, to be honest, I think, if, if we're going to. Oh, God. Right, uh, from the outside looking in, uh, from your perspective, what, what's your opinion on Wolves? Uh, what, what, I don't know how much you've watched of us, but what, what, do, you, what do you think, like, looking at us from the outside? I, I watched the first half of your game against West Ham earlier in the week, and um, I don't know whether, um, whether Wolves were just poor or whether West Ham <laughs> were just r- really good. Um, I've been surprised, actually, um, with uh, with how average you've been this season, because I think you're mm. a good side. Um, particularly last season, really, really good. Having come up from the championship, you just sorry, it wasn't last season; it was two seasons ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I thought you thought you looked outstanding that season. Um, Europa League did had quite a good run in the Europa League last season, but yeah, this this season it just hasn't really happened for you, has it? But mm-hmm. maybe it's just a, a season of consolidation for you. But I like your manager. Um, and I, I think I, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, Wolves were a bit of a yo-yo side sort of 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, and you just thought as soon as Wolves come up, they're probably going to be one of those first names that are going to go back down again. So that's one relegation place field, one less that we have to worry about. But <laughs> yeah. you're a different, you're a very, very different animal th- these days. And okay, you, you've probably underachieved this season, but you, you're still fine. And 
we're looking up at you from our position thinking we'd love to be you at the moment in your position so yeah it, it's strange because when we beat you at Molyneux earlier on in the season one it was one nil, wasn't it I believe it was yeah I remember back then we were so disappointed with that result because we still had ambitions of trying to push for the top six again. It's just crazy yeah. how it's turned out or struggling yeah. down. I mean, yeah. if you would have beat, because when you went 1-0 up against Villa, I was really worried because you'd have only been six points behind us, I think, if mm. you'd have won that game. So I think uh, a few Wolves fans took a sigh, like a sigh of relief, really, that you did actually yeah. lose that. But still, if you do beat us Friday, we are just hoping we're not going to get dragged into it because like you mentioned against West Ham, at the back, we're so poor. Has we play four at the back, it's uh, not very good. But um, if you uh, someone put a gun to your head, mate, and said, "Will Fulham stay up?" Do you think you will? Um, I think two weeks ago I would have said yes. Before the Villa game, I would have said yes. Right now, I think we've lost three in a row. Three in a row. The last um, we've lost to Villa, we lost to Leeds, um, we lost to Man City. And okay, the Man City game, you know, you kind of expect to lose that one, but the goals we conceded in that game. Uh, were, were disappointing goals to concede just because they all came from mistakes. Um, uh, Tashin Adarabayo made a mistake against Villa on on Sunday, which cost us the second goal. And I don't know, we just we haven't got the momentum anymore, which we did have uh, a little while ago, coming off the back of wins at Everton and, and Liverpool away. Um, so and, and at home, we've won two games all season. The only teams we've beaten at home all season are Sheffield United and West Brom, the two teams mm. below us. So um, yeah, our home form's just been—it's just been terrible, and I don't know whether that's more to do with the fact that there's nobody in the ground, or or what it is, because our home form generally we've relied on in the past. Um, I, I don't want to say we're going to go down, so I'm going to say if I've got a gun to my head, I'll, I'll say I'll say we're going to do it, but it's—it's it's not with a great deal of confidence, I have to say. Yeah, when I watched you against Liverpool, and after watching that game, I thought you were really good. I know Liverpool were struggling a bit at the time, but I honestly thought you had a really good chance. But we're preparing for this. I had a look at you for other form, and obviously you haven't won since then in the league, have you? So that no, surprised yeah. me a little bit. What, what's your opinion on Scott Parker? Are you, are you a big fan of Scott Parker as manager? Yeah, um, I, I do like him, but you know what it's like and how fickle you can be when your team's struggling. Mm. And as soon as you have a, a run of a few results, especially sort of around the new year sort of time, you start thinking, well, where are the wins going to come from then? Is now the time to pull the trigger and bring somebody else in and try and change it? But we did that two years ago. We did it and brought in um, uh, Claudio Ranieri for Djokovic. And then Ranieri lasted three months and then Scott Parker came in. And, and when Scott Parker came in that season, in all fairness, there was he breathed new life into that team. And it was a, it was a poor team, um, a, a team that had really struggled to keep clean sheets and win games. Um, but all of a sudden, once we were relegated, we then won the next three games and he ended up getting the job off the back of it. We lost at your mm. place 1-0 towards, I think it was the second from last game of the season that year. Yeah. Um, and then we lost to Newcastle on the last day. Um, and it was it was a you know a, a poor finish to the season in the end. But uh, last season he, he he employs these tactics where even if we're playing a lesser team, um, or he did last season anyway in the championship. If we're playing a lesser team and we're winning one nil, then he'll chuck on an extra defender and just see the game out, <laughs> which kind of makes sense in a way. But yeah. against against teams that you know you could really really turn the screw on and take to the cleaners, you know you, you just kind of think why don't we just go for another goal and try and really beat this team. Uh, so that's a frustration. But this season, he's evolved as manager. Uh, and we started off trying to play the same way that we played in the championship. And it just wasn't working. You know, we were conceded too many goals. We were losing games. And we ended up becoming this counter-attacking team, which is why Mitrovic ended up missing out quite a bit, to be honest, because he's mm. not necessarily the quickest uh, player in the world. But 
it, it started to work for us and we won at Leicester and we, we just started looking like a, a better unit. But that being said, we've only won five games all season. So is that his fault? I think it's a combination of a lot of things, to be honest. But I, I see him I see him developing as a manager all the time and he, he seems to learn from his mistakes. And even if we went down this season, I'd like to see him get another chance in the championship. Yeah, so in terms of your starting lineup, you've got one of our ex-players who absolutely loved Cavalero, and you've got the kid who was at Sunderland on that documentary. Is it Mad- Madger? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Josh yeah, Madger, they, yeah. They come off the bench, didn't they, against Villa, I believe. Do you reckon they'll get a start, or do you think it'll be the same team? I think uh, if Lookman's injured, then I think Cavalero will uh, will play, mm. uh, undoubtedly, because he came on for him the other day, and that's... I mean, Cavalero's been playing a centre-forward for half yeah. the season, and, yeah. and he's and he's been rubbish. But he's been playing. <laughs> but he's been he's been playing that role because he's quick. But he just yeah. he, fl- he fluffs his line in front of goals. He's in front of goal. He's not got much composure, kind of in and around the area. But you give him the ball on the edge of the box, and he cuts in on his right from the left hand yeah. side, and he'll bend one into the top corner. He scored that same goal probably three or four times for us in the championship last season. Um, but Josh Madger, no, I don't think he'll start. Uh, he he did start a few games when he first signed, but now Mitrovic has scored and he's back in form and he's in the side. And mm. we tend to play we tend to play Mitrovic up front on his own, maybe with kind of three players sat behind him. So you're probably looking at Bobby Reed, Loftus Cheek, and and Lookman or Cavalero, depending on whether or not Lookman's fit. Brilliant. Uh, just just to finish off, there, mate, a score prediction. What would you go for if you had to pick? Um, well, we can't score and we're not very good at keeping clean sheets in the last <laughs> few games either, but something's got to give. And if we're going to stay up, then something's going to have to change. So I'll say 2-1 Fulham. Oh, brilliant. I'll tell you what, I think I actually think it'd be 2-1 Fulham too. But uh, anyway, Matt, thank you so much for talking to the 77 Club and uh, best of bad luck for Friday night. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Cheers. Yes. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Jack, we'll open with your question first. And I'll open it up to the others as you asked it. Is that, are we safe yet? Starting with Bayliss. Tell you at about 10.30 on Friday night. <laughs> um, not to sit on the fence too much, but I think the next two games, if we lose the next two, I'm going to say, oh, we're in the mixer because it's against teams in that in that sort of zone. But we're not yet. Harry? Um, as said in the away perspective, if Fulham would have beat Villa when they won one on the up, I was shitting myself a little bit because that would have took them six points behind us. Um, I think it's in our own hands. I think we're fine, let's be honest. Two more wins, we're more than safe. But we're lucky with the fixtures we've got in the next five or four is literally everyone below us. So... If Fulham would have won that, I'd have been slightly concerned because I watched them play Liverpool and they were decent, but they had they have lost the last three. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine. But we're just very lucky we had such a good start because our form since Raul Jimenez got injured has been relegation form. Jack, I'm going to open your own question up to you. I don't think we're safe yet. No, I, I think we're very close. I think two, two more wins will do it, probably like the, the guys are saying. But if ever we go on a bad run now, Particularly against some of the lesser teams in the um, in the division, we're going to start panicking game by game, and it's going to snowball. But if we defend like this, like we did against West Ham, then we could we could be dragged into it. We've got to be really careful. The best thing to do is just go and beat Fulham, and then it, I think the pressure will be right off then, and it won't matter. And we can get this stupid season over and done with as quickly as possible. And I'll see you in August. But if ever we go and defend like we did on the other day, we're screwed. Let's break it down indirectly then, because when we say, are we safe, do you mean that it's only Fulham that can really catch us? Because we don't think West Brom 
are going to catch us or, or Sheffield United. Would we, would we all agree with that? We could all just say yes and I'll move on to my next question. Yes. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, so then we look at Fulham's fixtures. Obviously, we've got them on Friday night. Then they've got Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Burnley at home, Southampton away, Manchester United away, and Newcastle at home. So it's as much about us getting those next couple of wins but when you look at those Fulham fixtures you wouldn't fancy it would you? No no. I'm, I'm happy now you just said that <laughs> <laughs> So there we go They In, got us Indirectly we're not actually as worried because we're looking we're looking over our shoulders looking at our fixture lists and looking at our form but realistically it's in our hands and uh, I think Fulham have got to make up is it nine points at the moment and you know there's a chance to make that 12 points on Friday I know it seems a little bit like panic stations and it is quite tight down the bottom so it does maybe seem like a little bit of a false economy but I don't know what you think about that Joe I judging by what you've just said I didn't realise how bad their fixture run was mm. if we if we beat Fulham on Friday they ain't going to catch us that'll be that I think and also the thing that worries me though is that Fulham will be looking at that fixture list the same as you've just done and they'll be saying right if we want to stay up we've got to win this game on Friday win it's Burnley, a must win Newcastle win Wolves yeah so yeah. I think it's probably a must win for them if they want to survive which doesn't help us really because it's alright saying they're down the bottom but they're in a scrap Bayless do you feel a little bit better after Fulham's fixture list not overly I, do you know what if there's one club that could ever do it to us it's the Albion and I just <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's They're too far so behind, highly surely. unlikely. I know, I know they had a great result, but so highly unlikely oh, yeah, against Tim. No, but they'll beat us. Well, let's have a look at some stats. I mean. They're quite good reading, to be fair, if you're a Wolves fan. Fulham have never lost a home Premier League match against Wolves in five previous meetings. That's winning two, draw three. Uh, last top flight defeat to Wolves was in August 1967. Wolves have won eight of the last 11 league matches against Fulham with their own defeats in that run a 2-0 loss in the championship in February 2018 after a run of seven straight home league wins in games played on a Friday uh, Fulham lost their last such match 2-1 against Leeds last month after losing their first three Friday games in the Premier League Wolves are unbeaten in the last four on that weekday winning three drawing one keeping a clean sheet in each of the last three so it's not looking too bad is it? Oh, they are statistics for the sake of statistics. Jeez. <laughs> of course. Of course. Let's do a score prediction, Harry. I'm going to have to stick with the one I went with on the away perspective and say 2-1 to Fulham. Our defence is shocking and I think they're fighting for their lives and that'll be the result. Jack, I just can't see us getting a result after the way we defended the other night. We play four at the back again and with the injuries, 2-0 Fulham. Oof. Bayless? 3-1 Wolves. Can I just say, Sam? Can I just say? Yeah. We've got... I think we've got to start Kilman against Fulham. I, I still don't know why he's been, like, out-favoured by Nuno. I mean, I'd rather start him over Sace or Cody. And even we've got Ho- the young lad Hoover. I'd probably just think about starting them too instead of Sace and Cody after that shit, Joe. Christ. But, uh, I mean, if we go five at the back, bring Kilman in. I'm going with 3-1 Wolves because you can't defend that badly twice in a row. <laughs> And a bet. Can't yeah, do it, that up. <laughs> we just, if we defend that bad, that badly twice in a row, deserve to go. Deserve to be in the relegation scrap. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, let's get your latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Kelly Chris Kamara. You're listening to the Seventy Seven Club, and it's unbelievable, Jeff. Hello, betting fans. Um, uh, we've got a couple of betting odds. Uh, Wolves are decent price for this because 
the two odds I picked out for Fulham, Mitrovic to score and Fulham to win, which is Mitrovic is going to score because Cody can't defend against him. Nine to two. <laughs> is he start? Yeah, he'll start. <laughs> so, yeah. Four and a half to one. Uh, Fulham to win and both teams to score six to one. So they're pretty short prices on Fulham here. Mm. So there is some value. Uh, Neves to score first, two-one Wolves, fifty to one. Wow! And Traore to break his duck. I think it's going to happen. I'm really, I'm, I'm going to have a bet on this. Traore to score first, Wolves to win three-one, hundred and ninety to one. Oh wow! So he's got his first assist in a very long time. Let's see if he can get a goal in the next. And I haven't, I haven't done a Savino bet this week because he's just too crap. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the um, the person that on a twenty-five quid? Bet builder won thirty grand on Monday, so he, he had oh, twelve hundred to one on both teams scoring in the first half, which you never do at Wolves because we don't score in the first half normally. Over three goals in the match, and Neves, Dawson, and Suchek to be carded, and it was a bit of a nail-biting finish because I think he'd done most of them by half time, but it was Suchek getting carded in injury time that actually pushed him over the wow. line no. for for thirty k when he was time wasting. Time wasting. Ah, oh, fair play. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So uh, thirty grand. So not all bad. Uh, Jack, any ticket news you can share with us? Obviously, everything opens up pretty much. That's any fun on Monday. Um, I haven't got anything, Sam. To be honest, beer gardens mm. are open soon. <laughs> that's it. Anybody doing anything? I have booked a slot in the Brinton Arms uh, at <laughs> quarter past one <laughs> on Saturday, have. the seventeenth. <laughs> How long do you get that? Two hours. Me? Two hour slots, mate. So uh, triple orders. How many slots have you got? <laughs> yeah, all day. I've got the same table. <laughs> <laughs> Just like go go walk out and put a moustache on the wall. Yeah. Ah, Senor Mansell. I was going to say one of those glasses with the nose on, but you won't get a fucking nose big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Need a traffic cone. <laughs> oh. oh, perfect. Well, um. I mean, we were going to talk about Jeff Shee, weren't we? But we sort of mentioned him earlier on. I mean, is there, is there anything that you want to sort of cover with that, Harry? Or do you think it's been done? I just want to say, like, because of the rumours that come out today, that Duncan Castle on the transfer podcast. Do you want me to read this? Yeah, yeah, read it out. Just, uh... So, Duncan Castle said, the financial backing from Fosun is not as strong as it's been in previous summers. Wolves have to generate their own cash this summer. Neto being made available for sale at substantial price in quotation marks and Nevers and Adama also being made available for sale discuss I'll start with you Jack then we'll probably go down next year if we sell them three because you're just ripping the spine of the team out and then you're going to be putting your money on us signing proven players who are going to feature in the first team and keep us in the Premier League and it's not worked for the past three or four transfer windows so it's just too much of a risk Harry do you think Losing one of those or selling one of those is all right. Um, I think Adama might go, but I'd be gutted if we lost more than just Adama. I want to keep Neves and Neto, although Neto could go too, but I think it'd be a disaster, yeah? If two of those three went, it'd be ridiculous. And I think that the, the reason people started calling for Jeff Sheet to come out was because of this news today. It really upset a lot of the Wolves fans. But let's be honest, we don't even know how true this is because as our friend Aaron mentioned on the WhatsApp group, Fosun are so tight-lipped. Where's he's got this information from? I think he's just seen that Fosun have struggled a bit and he's seen that the, you know, our financials come out and I think he's just put two and two together and thought they'll probably need to sell if they want to sign. So he's kind of just gone with his gut and just risked it and gone out and it's absolutely exploded. As soon as uh, Talking Walls put it out as a tweet, it went everywhere. <laughs> All the other clubs were laughing about it as well. So I think Jeff Shee looked at other clubs too and it's just like, 
no other chairman really comes out and does interviews the amount he used to. And I think he's just took a step back because whatever he says, it just had fuel to the flames when it, you know what I mean? So I think he's doing the right thing, not talking. And I don't think we'll hear from him much at all as long as he's uh, chairman of Wolves. And Chris Jennings, just on the chat, Harry, he agrees with you. He thinks Neto is going to stay for at least another season. hope so. Um, Bayliss, I want to bring you in on that uh, just to get your thoughts. I just, I, I don't know where this tweet's come from. I don't know the podcast well. Twitter. Fairly reliable Bayliss. He's oh, not well. like always spot on, but you know what I mean? He ain't one of these who makes something up for no reason. It's just one of those that I don't know. I don't know who's got into the boardroom at Foson and speaks Mandarin. <laughs> I, I don't... He's got a blue tick for what it's worth. Does that mean he's like always telling the truth? I don't know. <laughs> just because you can order a crispy beef with the symbols properly on a Friday night doesn't mean you know the Wolves transfer gossip from the boardroom of one of the biggest companies going. So I'm, I'm not having it. I didn't think we'd sell Jota last summer though, and we did. So do you know what I mean? True. So you never know, do you? I can't see a board. I can't see a board going to a player, uh, going to a manager and saying, right, I'm ripping your team apart. So, hmm. don't think it'll happen. Absolutely. It's all right. It's all right. Gibbs White can start. <laughs> next, first game. He's going back to Swansea. His missus is missing it. It depends. It, it, it comes a little bit back to what I was saying before about Liverpool, you know, and, and the amount of times over the years that realistically they've gone and sold their best player. You know, you don't have to go back too far when you look at Torres, Suarez, Arbeloa, one of the better right-backs at the club. Mascherano's in there too. You, you know, um, Coutinho as well. There's a difference between selling one and selling three. That's the difference. Yeah, I agree with that. To be yeah. fair, he did He did say, sorry, sorry to put in, he did say, look, they'd be willing to, to accept substantial offers. He didn't say they're going to sell all three. We, they want to sell all three. It was like, if we're offered a massive fee for each player, that's they will. cop-out. They a, will that's sell. cop-out statement. Yeah, though, maybe. Because, of course, yeah, if someone offers you 100 million for any one of that team, of course you're going to say yes. I mean, substantial offers for any, any side you're going to take it aren't you because it, it, it substantial yeah. offers have to be relative to the player that you're selling because a substantial offer for Roderick Miranda could be 10 million but for Luis Suarez it's 84 million yeah, well I thought the Jota fee was low I'm being honest he's a young lad in his early 20s I know we've argued saying was he one of our stars he weren't in the team towards the end but we could have got a lot more for Jota in my opinion I think we got our pants pulled down a bit Really? No. I was. I, I was. I, 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 yeah. How much was really? he in total? Forty-one million, something like that. For, I mean, I'd want at least 65, 70 for Neto. And is Neto better than Jota? You know what I mean? I thought. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it was fairly low in today's market no. for some. Look at him now, absolutely tearing it up. I think Jota had to go. I think Jota had to go. The fact it, he clearly fell out with Nuno because he wasn't no, playing. I don't think they fell out. Starting the Europa when it's big game and. And Ryan Bennett. <laughs> well, that baby came out of the shirt, tucked in into his nappy. I won't but, hear any bad words against it. Yeah, I, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, for me, I didn't really have any attachment to Jota. I don't know why. I think I'm the opposite of everybody else on the podcast when we talk about feelings towards Jota. Sam, I just didn't see him as. How can you not have attachments towards Jota after that quarterfinal goal against Man United? That's etched into my memory and soul. That goal when he put us two. Well, it was two 0 at the time, wasn't it? He was great for us. You remember that goal. <laughs> I remember how pissed you were. Mate, he was so good. He scored so many great goals for us. I, I, get, I think people's memories are tainted a little bit because of the way it ended. Maybe he knew in the back of his mind Liverpool were going to come in and he kind of lost a bit of motivation. That's why he was always on the bench and that in the league. But he still got a few hat-tricks, didn't he? And he was a, on his day. We said so many times on this podcast, on his day, he was our best player when he was on it. We also said his day didn't come round enough. 
Yeah, but now it is for Liverpool because he cares again. It's coming round bloody every week. It's not because he cares. It's because he's playing with better players. I Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we didn't leave on such a dour note this time round, uh, but we will say goodbye to Harry Mansell. See you, everyone. Jack Williams. Bye, everybody. And Dan Bayliss. Goodbye, Wolves fans. And it's a goodbye for me. Goodbye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.